I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello, and welcome to the Leaves of Glen Mansion. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. And this week, I'm going to read a short story, an erotic short story, called The Assistant by Tiffany Rees. I've read her stuff before, and I can never say her last name. Want to learn about the author? Sure. The author was born? We don't know. Died? I think she's still alive. Tiffany Rees is an American author, and she is best known for the original Sinners series of erotica and has won the Rita Award twice. Rees is best known for writing the original Sinners series published by Harlequin imprint Myriad Books uh, called Smut Smart by NPR and Fifty Shades for Adults by Salon. Reese's work is known for its witty depictions of sex and heavy use of religious imagery and themes. In 2014, USA Today championed Reese for her diverse characters. Reese is Catholic and attended Ashbury Theological Seminary and the Center College, and she lives in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, don't say Louisville, say Lowellville. If you don't say it that way, the people in Lowellville, Kentucky, get real mad. Oh, they, I say, oh, I, I like Louisville. And they go, it's called Lowellville. Then I slap them, and that never really works out well. With her husband and novelist, Andrew Schaffer. Fun facts. Well, let's get some fun facts. This came from her website on her FAQs. Question, how do you pronounce Rees? Answer, rice, like the food. Question, uh, where do you live? Lowellville, Kentucky. Eh, say Lowellville, god damn it, if you don't say Lowellville. Question, I heard you were a nun. Answer, no. I did go to conservative Southern Seminary, but dropped out to write. Uh, you can read about my journey from seminary student to erotica writer at the Huffington Post. <laughs> nah, uh, bless her. I'm not trying to judge it. I'm not making fun of it. It's just hilarious that you went from, <laughs> from a Southern Seminary and then dropped out to write erotica. Uh, but, you know, it's, she's doing what she wants to, so God bless her. I'm not judging. Question. I've also heard you're a dominatrix. Answer, more lies! Eh, exclamation point. I visited a dominatrix, though, and you can also read about that at the Huffington Post. Do you... Do you answer your own emails? Answer, yes! Exclamation point. Although it could take up to three months for me to respond, I reply to every email except for emails that contain nudity. I.E., don't send me naked pics of yourself or anyone else. I have the internet after all. Uh... Is that really the life of an erotic novelist? I wish I knew one. I wish I was important enough to reach out and ask one, and they'd answer me. 
Like, do you just write uh, some kind of light smut? And then, because uh, most of the smut I read is not as intense as I would expect it to be. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, does that person suddenly just get dick pics like crazy? Or wing pics? I have no idea. That'd be really weird. I wish I knew one. If any of you out there know an uh, author, or you are an author that writes erotica, uh, let me know. How often do you get dick and wing pics? Uh, do you, what do you do? Do you have to rifle through them? Are you on Twitter and you're constantly getting them? Or, God, since Twitter's falling down the tube, uh, Tumblr, I got on Tumblr thinking, well, I mean, it seems okay. It just seems like a lot of kids that love stuff like uh, Muppet history and that kind of thing, and they all draw pictures of it and they post it up there. A lot of fan art. That seems to be all that website's all about. And it's like, oh, it's not the worst thing in the world. These seem like good people. Uh, boy, there's no podcasters, though. But anyways, uh, so they... they like, but I get followers, and all the followers are bots, and it's all naked bots. How, how do you get all these naked pictures of people to make a fake account? Don't the people who are naked realize you're doing it and find you and shut you down? I don't know. The entire industry is mind-boggling to me. Oh, thank God. Well, with that, why don't uh, the bell's going off Tell me to shut up? We'll uh, go and read this erotic novel by Tiffany Rice. There you are. And welcome to my library. Uh, I have to remember every once in a while to play into this bit. I kind of forget that uh, with no listeners that I have, uh, not anyone's going to know the bit and just assume that they're in the library. No, the idea is we traverse around my mansion where we start out in the... uh, uh, Drawing room? I forget where I'm supposed to start out. And then we come to the library where I read to you. Yeah, and we're not just sitting in my basement in the same spot every single time. The Assistant, an erotic short story by Tiffany Rice. R-E-I-S-Z is pronounced Rice. Come on, man. Ivy's been in love with her boss, Lennon, from day one. She's even his work wife. (laughs) Will sneaking into a party he's attending help her convince him that she wants to serve him by day and by night? The original Sinner's short story is available in print at the collection Little Red Riding Crop, uh, adult toy stories from the 8th Circle Press. Quote, what would you say to a, a, a three-day uh, uh, weekend? Lennon asked, and Ivy could have wrung his beautiful neck for even suggesting such a thing. Why? Uh, she asked, turning from the filing cabinet in his private office to face him. She'd been digging for something she hadn't actually needed, which she did about five times a day, simply to have an excuse to go into Lennon's office. Why? You don't say why when your boss offers you a three-day weekend. You say, hell yes, boss. Best idea I've ever heard. Ivy pursed her lips at him. Hmm. Why? She began again. You and I both worked all weekend last weekend, Lennon said, leaning back in his vintage leather swivel chair. Oh, he put his hands behind his head and, uh, and raised his eyebrows. 
waiting for her to contradict him. Ivy envied the hands on that chair. Lennon was a young silver fox and didn't seem to mind at all that he was in his mid-thirties and already mostly gray. Uh, uh, no, uh, no big deal. She waved her hand and sat in the club chair across from his desk. And when she crossed her legs, she watched him, hoping he'd look at her legs. And he did for a split second before meeting her eyes again. It's not like you didn't pay me overtime. And it's not like uh, she hadn't loved every second of it. Weekend work met Lennon out of a suit and in jeans and his favorite ratty concert t-shirts. Saturday had been Pink Floyd. Ugh, this is kind of a lame guy. I don't know when this was written, but by today's standards, kind of a lame guy. Really? Pink Floyd? How high were the waist on his jeans? Sunday belonged to Eminem! (laughs) Lennon leaned forward, rested his elbows on his desk, and looked in their eyes. Blue eyes. Bright, but tired. Katie broke up with me, he said. What? Why? Breaking up with Lennon seemed as insane as setting a Rembrandt on fire. Uh, who did that? This is awkward, Lennon wrinkled up his face. It was a. Uh, it was as handsome wincing as it was smiling. Me? Ivy asked. She said I spent more time with my assistant than I do with her. Uh, you do. Yeah, if you weren't, you know you. It, it wouldn't be a problem, but... Uh, but you are you, and that's a problem for her, not for me. Did you just tell me I'm pretty? Lennon glared at her. Oh, he's a he's a, he's a little businessman. Oh, he, he's all business all the time. You know you are. Oh, yeah, he's all business. Katie wouldn't care about that if I didn't spend my weeks with you and my weekends with you. Uh, she says you're my work wife. In italics, then make me your real wife, you beautiful idiot. <laughs> So what is a three-day weekend? You trying to get rid of me? Ivy asked. Never, he said vehemently. And, burp, she cherished that vehemence. Jack's taking out, uh, me out tomorrow for a recovery day of hiking eh, and drinking. Then he's forcing me entirely against my will to go to a party at a friend's house Saturday night. And, uh, and if I'm not here, there's no reason for you to be here. Three-day weekend it is then. Ivy stood up and smoothed her skirt down. And thank you. I got invited to a party, too, this weekend, she said. A lie. It wasn't uh, much of a party. It it, 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 so much as a a brunch with her sister. Maybe it's the same party as yours. Lennon stood up and walked around his desk. Gently, he lifted the the little gold star of David Pennant that she wore on a a necklace. Oh, his his fingers were so light on her skin, she felt goosebumps all over her arms. And Lennon stood so close, she could smell his his light cologne. Uh, No offense, but I don't think you go to the same parties Jack and I go to. Although, if you want to come with us, you, you, you can... Uh, beautiful women are always welcome at this house, uh, he said like a dare, like a challenge. It is one of those parties, Ivy asked as Lennon played with the six corners of the star. This is weird that he's just fondling her religious icon on her neck. <laughs> they were as comfortable with each other as people who worked in close quarters had to be. Oh, she'd smack his hand when he reached for her food. He'd let her sleep on his shoulder when they took the red-eye flights to London. But this little moment felt different. It felt personal. 
One of those parties, yeah. He looked a little embarrassed, and she adored him for it. He'd been careful to keep his personal life separate from his professional life because he's a businessman, even with her. But one Sunday afternoon, she had to run to his apartment for reasons entirely work-related. And she'd been uh, on the phone in the the other room, and she glanced through a half-open door and seen Lennon's bedroom. A leather flogger sat on the pillow. And handcuffs dangle from the headboard. Who sleeps like that? I get it. You got a kink. You got toys. I get it. But you put the kink and the toys away. Especially if you're just going to go to bed. You're going to go to bed. You don't like, oh, I got to go. I can't sleep without my adult stuffed animal, the leather flogger, and uh, handcuffs on the wall. When Lennon caught her looking, he blushed and stammered an apology. She told him she didn't care as long as what he was doing in his free time was consensual. It had been the first thing that she thought to say, and only later she realized it made her sound boring, virginal, <clears throat> and utterly uh, uh, vanilla. What she wanted to say was, the handcuffs, the flogger, Lennon, that's nothing to apologize for. It's sexy as hell, and I volunteer as your next victim. <laughs> there hadn't been a night since that she hadn't fallen asleep dreaming of his body. That bed, those handcuffs on her wrist, while, while she made herself come. Oh, she spelt it C-O-M-E. That's interesting. Most people uh, do C-U-M. But okay, everyone's got their own personal... This is a literary uh, erotic writer. Ivy wrapped her hand around his fingers, holding her pendant. He's got to let go of that thing. Len, that's L-E-N-N, with a big long M-dash. Lennon let the pendant go like it had burned him. You work for me, he said. I know, I know. She raised her hand in surrender. She knew, she knew. They had this discussion once... Turned the page before on a night flight when neither of them could sleep, but seemingly the rest of the plane could. Oh, he'd admitted his attraction to her, and she to him, and the only thing that had stopped them from joining the Mile High Club had been Lennon's innate sense of decency that kept him from sleeping with an employee ten years his junior. Oh, she knew if she made... Can't seem to turn the page. The first move, it would happen, but she just couldn't bring herself to do it. Lennon took a step back. Oh, she stopped herself from taking a step forward. Have a good three-day weekend, and I'll see you on Monday. Ivy smiled. Monday. Then she took her file, walked out of his office, and sat at her desk. Oh, she didn't trust herself to walk back into Lennon's office without declaring her love and or lust for him. Uh, so it's that, uh, so it's that she opened her messenger app and typed, uh, Need car service for the party? Where? When? Lennon wrote back 30 seconds later, Yes, please. Saturday, 9-152 Riverside Drive. Warn the driver will be dressed weird. Uh, how weird, she typed back. Eyes wide shut weird. Well, I'll make a note in the comment field. <laughs> that's cute. And then that's when it hit Ivy. Oh, she knew where the party was. She knew when it was. She knew she could go to it if she wanted to go to it. But she wanted to go to it. Lennon had said, eyes wide shut weird. It implied he'd be dressed in some kind of, some sort of weird costume. Oh, that would, that would make it much easier to slip in. And she didn't want to do anything but see him and be part of his world for a little while. Yeah, she couldn't even talk to him. But to pass unobserved, she'd have to dress the part herself. Saturday morning, she made an appointment with her stylist who did her hair in a complicated, very un-Ivy updo. She 
bought a slinky white dress and a white masquerade mask. Lennon had never seen her wear her hair like this, and he'd never seen her wear white. And with the uh, mask covering half her face, she'd have no idea it was her. Oh, he'd have no idea it was her, since it was one of, quote, those parties. Ivy also invested in a, in a, in a pair of white steam stockings and a garter belt and a white high heels with white ribbons tied at the ankle. Once dressed, she looked the opposite of her usual work self. Her own mother would recognize her. When nine o'clock rolled around, she grabbed a cab. Uh, on her way there, she told herself that if the party wasn't her scene, all she had to do was turn around and leave. She could do this. Get in, get out. Don't cause trouble. Don't reveal herself. And whatever she did, no contact with Lennon, period. None, period. Well, uh, Cab dropped her off, and she paid the driver, and it took her a couple seconds to work up the courage to step out and climb the stairs of the black-and-white three-story townhouse. This is a townhouse? Uh, Through the door, she could hear the sounds of music and laughter and the usual party revelry going on inside before she knocked. She tried the knob and found the door unlocked. As quickly and quietly as she could, Ivy stepped inside. Oh, period. Oh, three dots. Oh, comma, no, period. Lennon hadn't been exaggerating. It really was one of those kind of parties. Everywhere she looked, she saw couples coppling, uh, <clears throat> uh, 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 kissing in doorways, uh, draped over each other on, on, on sofas, burp, and in the room to the left, some sort of sitting room, she saw a woman kneeling on her hands and knees on a coffee table while a, while a man in a dark three-piece suit and the devil hordes uh, uh, fucked her from behind. Well, they weren't alone in the room, not at all. People stood around watching, cheering. Someone even held a stopwatch in his hand. Yeah, it, it, cash was scattered on the table around the woman's hands and knees, and from what Ivy could tell, it was, it was a contest, and the devil was contestant number two. Uh, the previous contestant had fucked the woman 12 minutes and 16 seconds before coming, and the current contestant just uh, just fucked his way past the 10-minute mark. <laughs> Someone in the crowd said that they were neck and neck. Someone else said that they were cock and cock. <laughs> Ivy stared, mesmerized by the scene. It was porn. Beautiful, erotic, playful, live porn. And she couldn't look away. Oh, her nipples tightened under the low-cat dress, and her pussy swelled. Her pussy swelled? Ugh. At the sight of the woman uh, taking the cock so casually in a room of a dozen people, Ivy flushed and felt herself growing wet, and her vagina clenched at nothing, wanting something inside it. Want to play? Came an accented voice from behind her. She turned and saw the man who'd spoken. He wore a military-style military long coat, a white shirt open at the collar, plus breeches eh? and hessian boots, eh? yeah, yes. polished to a high shine. Ah, he was impossibly handsome, with shoulder-length dark wavy hair and a wolfish gleam in his dark eyes. I dot 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 no, period, just watching, she said. I shouldn't play anyway, he said with a dramatic sigh. I always win. Hardly fair, is it? <laughs> he lifted his hand to his to his lips as if to, to kiss the back of it. Instead, he flipped her hand over and pressed his lips to the center of her palm. With a wink, he walked away, no doubt seeking out more amiable prey. Well, that's exciting. Uh, I, I've never been uh, to a sex club. 
I've never been to an orgy or a swingers party. I've lived a dull life, a real, real dull life. And after reading this, I'm realizing how dull my life has been. I'm starting to wonder about the kind of directions I've taken my life and if it's too late to turn back. But I know someone who has never had sex in his life, but has uh, been a part of a swingers party. Oh, he, he was brought in to do some repair work. Uh, on the house, and as he got in there, he realized, oh, there's a bunch of naked people staying around. They all looked awkward. He came in holding his giant panes of glass because he had to fix a glass window that had been busted open by some previous party where somebody threw something naked through the window. And so he, and he said, uh, what's going on here? And the host of the party said, I'm trying to have a, a swingers party, and it's just not working out. Everyone looks uncomfortable. Because even if you're a swinger, uh, you burp still a human being, and sometimes you just feel awkward. Well, my friend Stephen, Stephen Dorglas of DorglassIncorporated.com, that's D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S.com, uh, he, he said, uh, I think I can help. So the first thing he did is he put big panes of glass in the room and says, I need all the fuck actives on one side of the room and all the fuck passives on the other side. And so people kind of got on each side of the glass. And then he goes, okay. And now, uh, now that we got all the people on the side of the room, uh, all the most bold people, you have the safety of glass to prevent you from physically touching each other. This is a chance for you to be theatrical, uh, to be like a person of the stage. Get up there, grind against the glass. And then they did. Oh, they got against the glass. And then what did he do when he got all these people grinding against the glass against each other on each side of the room? Because they felt bold enough to do it because there was physical glass separating them. They weren't scared anymore. He pulled the glass away. And oh, they all fell on top of each other, writhing and naked pink and whatever and so uh, eh, oh and they were wet and so he had to clean off the glass and then he did the rest of his install work and then walked away a man who still didn't have sex even though he saved a fuck party that's Stephen Dorglas of Dorglass Incorporated, D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S dot com. They're dedicated to fabricating and professionally installing the highest quality glass products for the nation's top manufacturers. Their inventory combined with their years of experience makes them the premier source for installation and repair. They approach every project with the same goals, professionalism, integrity, and when it comes to creating a glass wall in the middle of a sex party, they're discreet. What do they do? Commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, patio doors, mirrors, shower doors, installation repair, and they design and build any goddamn glass sex room you want. Their clients are Pottery Barn, Williams Sonoma, Sherman Williams, Portillo's, which is a sandwich shop no one cares about, and the Salt Cave, which... For Christmas, my youngest got a Himalayan salt lamp, and the first thing I said is, yeah, don't lick that thing. And they said, oh, I'm not going to lick it. Well, the cats might lick it. And I go, just don't lick the damn thing. Uh, and try to keep the cats away from it. And they said, why? And I said, because I've read about this place in Minneapolis called the Salt Cave, where the walls are made of Himalayan salt, and they backlight it so it looks like you're inside some sort of glowing intestine. And you're supposed to do white people shit, like uh, yoga and whatever, hot yoga, and just anything that involves stretching your body a lot. And so I said, uh, but the thing is, they say, don't don't touch the walls and don't lick the wall. For God's sake, don't lick the walls. Uh, and so uh, now you're sitting here with this in in your room, which makes me wonder, what kind of a kind of a freak are you? Well, uh, and also Applebee's. Well, now that I'm thoroughly moistened and I am stiff as a board, why don't we go up to the master bedroom where everything's made of red velvet? Everything. It's all velveted in my room. And I made it just for you. And we can go up there and lay on my heart-shaped waterbed, which is 
engineering-wise, it's an impossibility, but I have a friend that made it work. Uh, yes, the creases are weird and stuff, and they keep popping open and water spills out of them. And you gotta put, keep putting chlorine in the water, because if that stagnant water gets out of your foot, my God, it smells like a like a cat died. Uh, but uh, I, I patch it up whenever it happens and make sure the chlorine's in the water, and I am there to read to you uh, the latest in romance literature from Penguin Random House Books. Ah, there you are. You did come up to my little bedroom. Now, I'm not just sitting in the basement. We're in a bedroom where everything's made of velvet. And, uh, oh, look at you. Ah, uh, you're, like, dressed like some kind of half cop on the top half and, and a marine on the bottom. I didn't think I could get any more aroused. Oh, you're pointing at a book called Quarter to Midnight by Karen Rose. It's part of the New Orleans novel. What? Discover a New York Times and USA, oh, and USA best-selling author. So two scams in one. Great, they paid for those spots. Author Karen Rose's brand new series set in sultry city of New Orleans and featuring a tough team of high-end private investigators who are after justice. Oh, no matter what they have to do to get it. Good cops, bad cops, only one will win. After completing her tours with the Marines in Iraq, Molly Sutton knew she could take down any bad guy she met. But when a family tragedy exposes the dark side of her, <clears throat> of her local police, she joined up with the former CO Burke Brossard, these are ridiculous names, who left the New Orleans PD to set up a private investigative service for people who couldn't find justice Elsewhere, Gabe Herbert, these are really weird names, saw the toll that working for the NOPD took on his dad and decided instead to make a name for himself as one of the best young chefs in the French Quarter. All but when his father's death is ruled a suicide after a deliberately botched investigation by his former captain, Gabe knows his dad stumbled onto a truth that someone once silenced him. Gabe goes to his father's best friend, Burke, for help, Burke assigns the toughest member of his team, Molly, to the case of Molly can't believe she's being assigned to work with the smoking hot chef whose chocolate cake is not the only thing that makes her mouth water. Yes, yes, yes. Sparks fly as they follow and lead Gabe's dad, left them, uh, unraveling a web of crimes, eh, corruption, and murder that runs all the way to the top. Well, that's Quarter to Midnight by Karen Rose. Uh, it's coming out in in, in paperback on January 10th uh, for $8.99 at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books, A Million, Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, Indiebound, Powell's Target, and Walmart. Well, uh, I mean, I'm, I was still aroused. I was still thoroughly aroused up until the point that someone's dad died. Now I just think about my dad. It's hard to stay aroused when you think about your dad. So uh, with that, why don't you get back into normal clothes, this whole cop marine outfit you're wearing. Uh, though sexy as hell... Uh, is just not doing it for me right now. I'm sorry, but you brought my dad into it. I'll meet you back down the library. Oh, there you are. Hey. Ever since he brought that book to my sex room, I can't stop thinking about my dad. I saw him on Christmas, but, uh, you know, I saw him and I gave him a hug and everything like that. But I don't think I physically told him, uh, you know, Merry Christmas. So I'm starting to think I'm a, I'm a shitty son. I don't think I said Merry Christmas to my dad when I saw him on Christmas Eve. 
I wish you would have never brought that book to me. I'm both not horny, and now I just feel guilty. Let's turn back to our story. Ivy turned to leave and came face to bare chest mm, with a man wearing nothing but leather pants. Nothing. Not even shoes. Oh, he had shaggy hair, brown skin, and a wicked smile. She felt a sudden pang of attraction to him. Oh, sorry, she said. I am Dash. Well, you must be new, he said, narrowing his eyes at her. I'm very new. Very, very new. Well, we like newbies around here, he cupped her chin. Tell me what you want, and I'll make sure you get it. Ivy opened her mouth, closed it, then saw Lennon striding down the hallway toward the front door. Oh, he wasn't, uh, uh, uh he wasn't, uh, uh, uh dressed Nearly as oddly as everyone else at the party, he had a black trousers, a black vest, and a white shirt with, a, with cuffs rolled to his elbows. His only nod to the party atmosphere was the black mask he wore over his eyes. Impossible not to know it was him. However, not with that smile and that salt and pepper hair. Him, Ivy whispered. I want him. Well, you sure about that? The man in the leather pants asked. No, she couldn't believe that she'd spoken, she'd spoken a lot. I am. Then, uh, then kiss me. Well, I've kissed a stranger and found his mouth warm hmm? and his lips, uh, 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 skillful. She'd been so busy with work for Lennon that she hadn't gone on a date in six months. Whoever this man was, she didn't know, but she also didn't care. Uh, he had big hands that felt so good on her waist, uh, and, and a girl needed kissing sometimes, hmm? Even by a, by, a, by a stranger, a leather-panted stranger. And then Ivy was off, uh, off her feet, entirely, completely, and totally off her feet, being carried over the man's shoulder. Oh, my God, she said. And the man heard her. I'm a firefighter in real life, he said, slapping her on the ass. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm glad one of us does. Come on, man, he said as, as he carried her into the room. I caught something for you. Ah, oh, you shouldn't have, Jack. Ivy recognized Lennon's voice. Uh, you, you, you've had a hard week, and uh, you've earned some fun. So this was Jack, Lennon's kinky friend who dragged him to parties, question mark. Is this something that they did together, huh? share women? Ivy wanted to be jealous if it was, but instead she found the prospect arousing, and the thought of being passed back and forth between them. Ivy gripped the sofa cushion hard and tried to get her bearings. Uh, she was in a room, a very nice uh, but small room, like an antique furniture, uh, like out of uh, Pride and Prejudice or, or something. Door closed, no lights on, but for the fire burning in the fireplace. No bed, fireplace, with an ornate dark wood mantle and low fire burning. Other than the couch she and Jack sat on, there was one armchair across from them and a huge, huge steamer trunk that acted like a coffee table. Lennon sat in the chair and held his wine glass tightly between his fingertips. Oh, he was watching her. As that works, Jack was saying as he slowly eased her panties down her legs. Since you're new, I do whatever I want to do to you and then you say red when and if you want me to stop. What I want to do to you is, uh, <coughs> uh, uh, fuck you while my friend watches. Then uh, he will do whatever he wants to do to you. Uh, he won't be nearly as gentle with you as I will. Yes, question mark, no, question mark, red, question mark. Ivy glanced at Lennon, who grinned at Jack's warning. She was scared, and her heart was pounding, her blood pumping so hard in her ears it sounded like a roar of an ocean. Yes. 
She whispered the words so Lennon couldn't recognize her voice. But Jack heard, good answer, he said, and casually unzipped his pants to pull out his cock. He reached for a condom from the bowl of them on the steamer trunk. Oh, she couldn't believe this was happening as he stroked himself to his full hardness and rolled on the condom. Uh, so matter-of-factly, he could have been uh, tying his shoes. Yeah, if you've been wearing any. Yeah. Well, you can't say ran anytime, Lennon said from his armchair. We're big boys. Uh, we have full control. Ivy nodded her understanding, taking comfort in his words. It made it easier when Jack pushed her legs wide open. And out of the corner of his eyes, you could see Lennon leaning forward, uh, lifting his chin to see her better. Said she'd gotten a, a full wax yesterday. Oh, she knew she could see everything. Oh, and her, and her open labia, uh, her clitoris, uh, 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 her wetness. And it, it aroused her even more to know that Lennon was seeing her body without even knowing it was hers. <laughs> and Jack inserted his index finger uh, into her and rubbed along the walls of her vagina. Knew it. Eager, Jack said with a dirty grin, clearly impressed by how wet she was. Ah, she realized quickly he wasn't uh, talking to her, but to Lennon. Uh, I'll open her up for you, and you can uh, finish her off. Sound like a plan? (laughs) Sound like a plan? They're talking about this as if they're trying to like get a coffee table through a like a narrow hallway. Like, oh, we got to hook it in from the left like that. We got to tilt it up uh, tall ways, and then we can probably get it through the door. Sound like a plan? Lennon answered, "A perfect plan." Jack gripped her by the uh, the back of the knees and knelt between her thighs. This was happening. It was actually happening. Ivy breathed quick, shallow breaths to calm herself. It didn't work. Oh, Jack had his cock in his hand, and the tip pushed against uh, her her clitoris. A spasm of pleasure shot through her, and Ivy instinctively lifted her hips to offer herself to him. With one smooth stroke, he was inside her. He pushed her dress up to her stomach, gripped her waist, and rode her with a a firm, uh, steady thrusts. Ah, she couldn't believe she was doing this, letting a strange man fuck her while her boss watched, and she lifted her head and watched Jack's cock pumping, eh, in and out of her. No denying it, she was doing this. Her head fell back on the sofa, and she turned toward Lennon. Ah, she didn't uh, mean to meet his eyes, but as soon as she did, she couldn't look away. See me, she wanted to say to him. Look at me. I'm not who you think I am. I'm not just your assistant. I'm a woman, and I need you like this. Ah, he saw her. Those pale blue eyes of his never left hers as Jack Factor. If only, oh, if only he knew her, knew it was her. It's me, she told him with her eyes. It's Ivy, and I want you enough. I did all this for you to be with you. Well, uh, uh, Jack was fucking her uh, hard now, and Ivy opened her legs wider for him and, and let him move from the chair and sat on the steamer trunk next to them. Uh, she wasn't uh, ready for him to touch her, uh, but touch her he did. Uh, and pressed his hand onto her lower stomach. That's weird. And pushing down as if trying to feel Jack's cock moving inside her. Oh, that's really kind of gross. <laughs> then Lennon dipped his fingertips into his white wine and touched her clitoris with them. Oh, she inhaled sharply, nearly flinching at the sudden coolness uh, on her burning body. He grinned as he rubbed the swollen knot of flesh. That sounds unattractive. Toying with it at first before giving it the serious attention it needed. Oh, her hips moved in tight circles as Lennon touched her and Jack 
fucked her. All sensation was concentrated in her pelvis, in her sex. Lennon worked her clitoris with two fingers. I keep saying clitoris on purpose. Don't think I'm an idiot. It's also like, I, I also like to say, uh, uh, fellatio. I think it's hilarious. And then people catch me like, you're not saying it right. I'm like, nah, I know I'm not saying it right. Shut up and just let me keep saying it. With her fingers, and more you could take. Oh, this man she adored and lusted after, touching her so intimately while she was being fucked came with a cry and a shudder, uh, her hole gripping and grabbing at Jack's cock and still pounding her. Oh, he slammed his orgasm into her as Ivy lay back, closed her eyes, and took it. Oh, boy, this is exciting. Can't wait till uh, <clears throat> Lennon gets in there. Uh, she was empty inside again, and her body felt warm and drowsy. Somewhere, she heard a door open and close. Ivy was being lifted into strong arms. All limp and spent, she let the strong arms pull her upright and, and press her to the back of the couch. Thighs nudged her, legs open. Oh, that sounds kind of sloppy. Like, yeah, come on, get open, get out of the way. Uh, and someone penetrated her again. Ivy opened her eyes and found herself in Lennon's arms. Oh, her chin on his shoulder. Her legs wound round his waist as he pinned her to the back of the couch with his cock inside her. Oh, his hands were on her back, lowering the zipper on her dress, and she stiffened suddenly wide awake. We're alone, Lennon said, kissing her bare shoulder as he slid the straps of her dress down her arms. Down, down it went until he pushed her dress to her waist, uh, bearing her breast for him. Uh, don't be shy. <laughs> shy? Oh, she was finally having sex with a man she'd adored for two years. Ivy leaned back, arching for him and offering her breasts to him. He ran his hands over them, squeezing them lightly, holding them in his palms as he as he licked and sucked uh, her nipples. And Lennon was sucking her nipples, and it felt better than anything had ever felt in her life. Fucking her softly, at first, deeply, eh? and then harder and harder. Jack had warned uh, her Lennon would be rougher with her than the rest of us, but Jack hadn't warned her that it'd feel this, uh, <clears throat> feel this good. He was uh, uh, fucking her so hard now that she could feel it in her stomach. Oh, she... What's with the stomach? Oh, she loved it. Needed it and needed it ever since that she went to work with Lennon. Oh, he, he pulled her out, uh, pulled out of her, but only uh, to turn her, eh, bending her over the sofa arm, and he entered her uh, from behind and fucked her deep in his hands, holding her breasts and, 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 and squeezing them, eh, tugging the nipples until she moaned. Hey, yeah, hey, you, uh... Uh, you like this? He asked, and his voice sounded so unlike him, so forceful and dominant. Yes. Uh, when, I, when I'm uh, uh, done fucking you, I'm, I'm going to flog you, uh, and, then, uh, and then fuck you again. Uh, you want that? Yes. She was so wet from his thrust, she felt it dripping down her thighs. I knew you would. <laughs> but how did he know? He didn't even know it was her. Oh, he didn't know. Red, Ivy said. Well, then it pulled out of her immediately as Ivy yanked her dress back up. What, uh, what, what's wrong? He asked, looking scared, concerned. He touched her arm. I didn't hurt you, did I? No, she said, scrambling off the sofa. I'm sorry. He reached for her again as she headed for the door, but she kept walking away from him and out of the house. What was she thinking? Having sex with her own boss without telling him. It was her. Oh, Jack knew he was having an anonymous sex with a girl he'd never met before, but Lennon didn't, and that wasn't right, no matter how much she wanted him. How good it felt, it wasn't right. 
By Monday morning, Ivy had pulled herself together as best she could. She dressed in her normal clothes, did her hair in the normal way, and prepared to act as normally as she could. Well, she wouldn't blow her cover, she wouldn't confess, and she wouldn't put Lennon in a horribly awkward position because she'd followed him to his party like some lovesick puppy. He was expecting her to be there. So all of this guilt makes no sense. Like, he wanted her to go there probably specific for that whatever. I'm moving on. She would be a grown-up and carry the secret. In the break room, she poured two cups of coffee and marched into his office like it was, oh, any other day. Burp, morning, she said, handing him his coffee. How was your weekend? Good. Uh, Yours, Ivy asked, keeping her face empty of expression. Good. (laughs) Too short. <laughs> Talking about her, obviously. That's the foreshadow. Typical, right? Right. Uh, but back to work. Can you bring me those close brothers file? Uh, she walked to the filing cabinet and opened the top drawer. When she pulled out the file, something fell out on the floor. Well, Ivy bent over to pick it up and, and found a black mask in her hand. Uh, she looked at it and then looked at Lennon, who was smiling smugly at her with his hands clasped behind her head. Well, you tan easily, you know, yeah, he said, but your star of David Pennant blocks the sun. You have a six-pointed pale spot on your chest. You knew it was me? Oh, the whole time. I didn't mean to, Jack. Oh, was there any, he asked me what I wanted. I said it was you. What's going to happen? Ivy's heart pounded outside of her chest. The mask clutched in her head. Memories of his mouth on her breasts and his uh, fingers on her clitoris, uh, setting her to be blushing and flushing and burning inside and out. Lennon stood up and walked over to her, and he passed the door, and he closed it and locked it. Uh, what would you say to a four-day week? Uh, he asked. Before she could answer, he dipped his head and kissed her slow and deep and long. And his tongue touching her ears, his hand on her lower back and Roman lower, and his hips pushing into hers, she pulled back from the kiss and stared up at him. He knew, and she knew, and they'd done it anyway. And now they were gonna, now they were gonna do it again. And I would say, hell yes, boss. Best idea I ever heard. <laughs> well, with that... Why don't we retire to the smoking room where we can talk about what we just read and and try to make sense of it. Oh, there you are. Uh, Before you came down, I was just ruminating on the concept of coitus. Ah... Man, woman, man, man, woman, woman, two men and one woman, two women and one man, 50 women and one man, 56 men and one woman, or just 80 men all slapping against each other, or 27 women between the ages of 19 and 47, and then 28 others between the ages of 60 and, uh, and, and 78. All these things can be highly erotic. And we just experienced it now in this story that we read. <laughs> the assistant by, uh, uh, Tiffany Rice, Reese Rice. Um, what happened in this story? 
a woman who's always been attracted to her boss and openly talked about on a plane trip one time where they almost had sex but didn't. Uh, also, I think uh, he was with someone or something, and then they didn't have it, and then they just tried to forget about it, even though it's there, which you think both women just be thinking about all the time. Every time you go into work, that guy wants to fuck me, or that woman is really into me. Uh, but no, apparently they kind of forgot about it. And then he invites her to a sex party. Hmm. And then he says, uh, hey, hey, why don't you come to this sex party? Yeah, burp. Oh, that's a big burp. I'm really worked into a lather right now, like I normally wouldn't be on any other episode. Uh, uh, he's getting dressed weird. It's gonna be like eyes wide shut. And then she's like, "Okay, weird." And then she, I'm gonna go. And like, oh yeah, make sure to tell the cab driver. Gonna be dressed weird, expecting her just I don't know, be naked with a mask on. I don't know what that was supposed to mean. And then she gets there, and then she you know, makes the sex with him, and she feels like it's anonymously. And then he, uh, uh, but he knows it's her. But then she feels guilty. But the whole thing is everyone's anonymously having sex with everyone. So how is it bad? Plus, he invited you because he wanted to have sex with you, obviously. It's not like, hey, come to this thing. Just be a tourist. Just watch. Just get to know me a little bit. This is my hobby. It wasn't that. He wants to have sex with you. So I don't understand the logic behind that. But uh, in the end, uh, her star David necklace she wears all the time that he just fondles randomly while they're in the office. I've never been at a workplace where I just like, ah, what's that? And I just start playing with their earring. I've never done that before, but uh, that happens in this story. Uh, and then in the end, he knows it's her because she's uh, got a sunburn in the shape of the dar, uh, dar the star of David uh, on her chest. Uh, how big is this thing? I have no idea. <laughs> this giant iron star of David around her neck that sits on her chest. It's like a, it's like a foot. Um, well, that's, that's pretty much the story. And now they get to have sex all the time. Now it's all fine. Uh, what's good? Uh, you know, the sex was more uh, believable in this than other stories I've read. Other stories I've read, basically, people don't have sex. I can't read one uh, here on the show, but there is one about a military, like a Navy SEAL that has sex with some woman. And uh, I read it as a joke for a friend of mine. And uh, it, 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 the sex in there was non-existent or just weird. One was the guy was going to go down on the woman and he puts on a condom as he goes down on her. His penis is nowhere near her, but he's wearing a condom. And then she asks why he's doing that. And he goes, cause you're not ready yet or something. <laughs> it just made no sense. So listen, this, at least this seemed like what you'd actually expect to have happen in a, in an orgy. Uh, but beyond that, uh, what sucks I don't know. It was fine. It didn't suck. It's fine. I've read her stuff before. Uh, it was fine. What do we learn? Uh, if you and your boss are on a plane trip where you admit that you're attracted to each other and you think you're going to have sex, it's probably going to happen. Well, with that, uh, thanks for listening. And, um, and I will see you in the next episode where I promise this time I'll read Winnie the Pooh. I don't want to be known as... Glenn, the guy who keeps promising to read Winnie the Pooh, nuzzles. I am going to read it. I've just been putting it off because I had a holiday thing I was doing, and then I thought, eh, let's cleanse the palate with erotica before I read Winnie the Pooh. So next time, I will start Winnie the Pooh. The thing's like nine chapters. <sighs>
I tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people, not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, including stuff like gestating the curious mind with my lady friend and also a a little side project I'm going to be doing with my daughter. Oh, I'm on Instagram, but no one uses that anymore because they all use TikTok. Am I ever going to get on TikTok? No, but if you want to look at my dead Instagram, it's at House Nuzzle. I also have Twitter, which I use the most, which is also conveniently at House Nuzzle. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's got to be one left. 